are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of Suspiria. At the beginning, she gave me things. Perfect balance. Perfect sleep. Oh, she wants to get inside of me. I can feel her. When you dance the dance of another, you make yourself in the image of its creator. I feel like I'm not even here yet. The damn blank's incredible. One, two, three. The way she transmits her work. You have to decide what is it you want to be for this company. There's more in that building than what you can see, Doctor. dangerous people. Three mothers. Three God. Three Devil. Mother Tenebrarum. Mother Lacrimarum. And Mother Suspiriorum. Darkness. Tears. <laughs> and sighs. <laughs> some kind of deal with them. Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. It's all a mess. The one out there. you were just listening to the trailer for Suspiria, and the story is as follows. A darkness swirls at the center of a world-renowned dance company, one that will engulf the troupe's artistic director, an ambitious young dancer, and a grieving psychotherapist. Some will succumb to the nightmare, others will finally wake up. The film is starring Dakota Johnson, Tilda Swinton, Maya Goff, Jessica Harper, Chloe Grace Moretz, Lutz Ebersdorf, aka also Tilda Swinton. It is directed by Luca Guanino, and it is written by David Kajasnich. Joining me for this review, I have Candace Frederick, everybody. Hello. And also from Awards Watch, Eric Anderson. Hey. All right. So this is the 2018 version of Suspiria, and at two and a half hours long, compared to the hour and 40 minute 1977 version this is a whole hell of a lot of movie. Uh, there's a lot to unpack in this one. Maybe a little too much. I'm not sure exactly. But, I mean, when I saw this film about a month or so ago, I, I don't know. It's been a while. I didn't know what to make of it. I was so baffled by this movie. I didn't know if it was the best movie I'd saw this, seen this year. I didn't know if it was the worst movie I'd seen this year. <laughs> and all of the elements contained within editing, acting, the story – I was so, 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 so confused and confounded by this. All I knew 
was that I needed to see it again. And I have seen it again, and I feel like I have a little bit of a better grasp on it, but this is a movie that demands multiple rewatches. So I figured, mm-hmm. let me reach out to two very articulate, very smart people who might have a better grip on this movie than I do. And Oh, cool. When are they showing up? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so, Candice, uh, why don't we actually start off with you? What did you ultimately think of Luca Guanino's version of of Suspiria. Um, I liked it. I mean, it's it's interesting. Um, I had recently seen um, re rewatched rather um, Dario Argento's uh, Argento's original. Um, and one of the one of the many things about uh, Dario Argento movies is his impactful imagery, very nightmarish, very imagery that really just sticks inside of your membrane and i love that luca also re he retained that in this in this remake in this reimagining i would say reimagining more so just because there's a lot this is like to me um this remake is almost like okay well we heard Susie's story which was really through her point of view for dario's um uh, take his original and for Lucas it's like okay well let's we heard enough about her let's see what's going on within this coven and really kind of illuminating their voices and their personalities and their nuance and the, just the general crazy that they're experiencing and that they're driving and also let's put Susie in there with them <laughs> and so I thought that was particularly interesting and, and also really kind of blurring the lines between what we um, consider as female villains and it's very easy to, to, it's very easy to identify the witches because, and especially since we've just all, always just been indoctrinated to think that witches are, uh, carry a sense of evil and they still do here, but there is so much nuance and their stories are so um, centralized here that they're, those lines are blurred, especially when we bring the protagonist into their story. So I thought that was particularly interesting. And, and there's just a lot of fury in this. And I think there's a lot female fury, particularly um, that is really interrogated and explored in a way that's very sophisticated and very beautiful um, and very scary, all of that. I agree with you that there is definitely more of an emphasis on the coven itself this time around, uh, more so than uh, Susie, although she definitely is also a central figure within this narrative. And that would be enough for a remake of Suspiria, but no, 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 no. Luca also <laughs> wants to throw in um, a male played by a female psychotherapist and have that character's entire journey be a thorough line for a theme that carries its way through this new version and actually makes Luca Guanina's version of Suspiria something entirely different all on its own it has a completely different message i believe than the original film did yeah and before we go into more detail on that let's give him his say on the matter eric what did you ultimately <laughs> think of luca guanino's version of suspiria uh i i love it i just saw it this week uh and i absolutely loved it i think it does what a remake should do. If you're going to remake a movie, you need to come at it at least with a different take or with a different mindset uh, f- 
from what the original was. The original was made in 1977. This one still takes place in 1977, which I think was really, really smart. If this had been like uh, modern day, I'm not sure if it would have worked as well. I think existing in the timeline that it does, uh, which is right in the middle of the Bader-Meinhof uh, hostage crisis, which is constantly in the background. Uh, it's Berlin in a split city. The The theme of division is throughout this film. There's a division within the coven. There's a division for Susie at home. There... It's a it's a it's a great recurring theme, uh, but this is also a much more feminist take on this story than Argento's original, which is not to dismiss his at all because it's a great film, but its scope was different and its intent was different, and I think this this speaks to a much more uh, a much more interesting look at at witches and covens and the idea that we have about them. Uh, and despite being, you know, from a male director and a male screenwriter has an extremely compassionate female perspective. I agree. No, I, I, I'm, I'm in complete agreeance there. I do believe that he has made something that is holistically his own. It's very, very different than, uh, call me by your name <laughs> was mm-hmm. last year. Mm-hmm. And it goes to show you that, that this director has, the potential range to, I mean, he's already made some really, really great films, A Bigger Splash, I Am Love, obviously Call Me By Your Name. But now with this, I almost get this sense of, well, the sky's the limit now. Mm-hmm. He, he could do, I guess, maybe any genre at this point and possibly become one of the all-time greats as a result of which. And one of the things I love about his work most of all and um, – uh, not, not so much like a theme, but a style, an aspect of his work that I see that comes through in every one of his films is feeling. Mm-hmm. He has a really uncanny ability to demonstrate uh, a feeling, a mood with all of his films. And that, I think, comes through in Suspiria through the aesthetic, the 1970s look of the cinematography, the production design, the way that the camera moves and he does these zooms and pans, it feels very much of its time. And not only with the way that he utilizes the camera and the visual aesthetic of this film, which is completely polar opposite of the Dario Argento original, but also the way that the movie is edited is very interesting because... It's hyperkinetic. It, it, it feels like it's cut like Moulin Rouge almost at times <laughs> in how frantic the editing can be within the scenes themselves. And yet at the same time, I feel that the film, quite honestly, is kind of poorly paced. And there are large, large sections of this movie. I'm not saying like whole scenes I would lose, but shots especially. And some sequences I feel like that go on maybe a little too long where – I know he's trying to immerse us. I know he's trying to give us an experience while watching it. And there definitely is an experience to be had with this for sure. And I think it does achieve its job. But I have a hard time justifying why this needed to be two and a half hours when I feel very strongly it could have been done in 
two hours or two hours and 10 minutes or, you know, just I don't know why it had to be two and a half hours. So then what would you what would you cut then? Because you're talking about 20 or 30 minutes of material. I guarantee you that there are extraneous shots, not scenes, Mm -hmm. shots. Sure. But that makes up only a couple of seconds. You know what? <laughs> yeah, no, I hear you. I it definitely, I mean, I, I just, in, in general, don't think any film really needs to be longer than two, than two hours. But, I mean, I love the film and all the shots and everything, but I'm also not an editor. So I'm sure a good editor would have been able to cut that down and still retain the story. And I think that's what I'm getting at here is that it's not that it's poorly edited, it's meticulously edited. There are insert shots and the use of sound and the dance sequences are Mm -hmm. thrilling to watch because of how they're cut. I just, there's a bigger problem there in terms of, on one hand, I understand why the film is as long as it is, but on the other hand, I feel that it is almost a chore to sit through. And that's why when I walked out of the film for the first time, I was just completely baffled. I didn't know if what I had seen was the best or the worst, <laughs> you know, in respect to its editing. I, I I would respectfully disagree. I think I think the the length is fine. And one of the things that I think it benefits and justifies it, its length is exploring more uh, of Susie and her life in Ohio to help articulate what's happening in Berlin. I, th- I think it's crucial. I, I really uh, enjoyed that quite a bit. It also keeps with the, the theme of, of division uh, between the Mennonites and, and Amish. I love that conversation that, that Susie has with, with Madame Blanc about the Mennonites... And, and Amish splitting because they're, they're becoming too liberal. And, and th- that, whole, that whole sequence of them eating the chicken wings and just kind of hanging out is <laughs> like that is I, I can see a scene that could be cut from what you're talking about. But if it was, we would be missing such a wonderfully intimate moment that also has a little bit of, of humor in a film that is so full of portents and dread and and threat of violence and all all of these things so it's it's kind of that i want to be clear i wouldn't cut scenes out of the movie yeah i i want to be clear on that i i just i think that there are just some extraneous shots that could have been lost to just tighten the film up a bit that's all but I agree with you. That scene between Dakota Johnson and Tilda Swinton oh is so crucial. It's wonderful. Not just to both characters, but also to the audience as well in developing an emotional connection to both of those characters and the dynamic that they share with one another as teacher and student, mother and daughter. It is, but it's also a very human moment because when you're talking about stories with with supernatural characters – have something like eating, which is such a normal and necessary human thing to do, it just humanizes them as characters, you know, despite the fact that they are also witches. <laughs> and one of them is a abnormally great dancer. Um, I almost I almost wonder what it would be like to see um, Natalie Portman in Black Swan against uh, 
Susie Bannon in this movie because I'm waiting for that supercut. <laughs> Someone's definitely going to do like a YouTube edit of both films of them like doing like a dance off or something. <laughs> well, I, I think Dakota Johnson did a little more of her own dancing than Natalie Portman did in in Black Swan. Oh. But interesting. But also, <laughs> but also, no, I caught the shade. But also, um, I, I will say that those are two extremely different forms of dances that are telling a very different story, but yes. um, uniquely feminine in different ways. But this one has um, a quality to it that the Ruva sound design, especially like the use of breathing in the lunges and the movement that um, all of the dancers do, there was, I feel, just more of a violent nature to the dancing in this movie. It was and it just feels so... What was that? Sorry to interrupt. I was just saying it's animalistic. Oh my God, that was exactly the word I was going to say. Yes. Oh, I shouldn't have interrupted. <laughs> no, no, no. It's perfect. No, I'm, I'm glad that we're on the same page with that. And I love that Susie is a character who likes to keep everything to the ground. And that also helps to give it that primal feeling when you're watching it. And it's never sensual. That's another thing that I took away from this at times was that the movie could have very easily done look at these young gorgeous women dancing kind of voyeuristic you know male point of view but it's not about that at all and i really really loved and respect that luca took that approach um in showing the dance sequences i i i love the the dancing in in this so much and it is it's their motions are uh just jerking stabbing jabbing and contorted motions. Um, the the final dance sequence, uh, with the the costuming of the the red yarn, is amazing to me because each time they they throw their bodies out, the 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 yarn comes out like blood spatter, and Ooh. it is it, it's such a great uh, foreshadow of what happens later. And but it's just it's so vivid, and it's so audacious and even shooting that sequence in minimal light and so the audience has such a minimal uh exposure to what's happening too so it's sort of dreamlike it's just it's extraordinary yeah i mean even earlier when we first kind of were introduced to Susie's dancing and i just remember <laughs> i remember one of the notes i took i was just like I don't know if I'm in love with this dance. Like, I don't think I want to ever dance like this or see anybody dance like this, but it was riveting to watch. But it, but, mm -hmm. but it just seemed like they were hurting themselves like yes. really terribly and literally in some points. Um, and I, and I think <laughs> what's interesting uh, in that first, that, that particular first intro dance that we saw from Susie and the, the one with the entire repertoire towards the end there's all there's something happening to some other woman, um, another oh, dancer, wow. simultaneously, and it's just mm -hmm. like this this kind of uh, this equation between dance and just torture. Um, yes. is very interesting. It was uh, frightening to watch at times. Actually, that that that's one sequence in the movie. For example, I felt like went on maybe like a little too long to the point where it became punishing upon mm -hmm. its audience. Mm -hmm. um, I'm okay with that. <laughs> really? Yeah, it was torturous. <laughs> yes, because if, if you're if you're if you're trying to imbue and, and to, to to give to your audience uh, what's 
what's happening and what a character is going through, you you kind of need to feel it. I think if I think and I I did I I was it was extremely uncomfortable, uh, and I'm glad for that because I I didn't want to be like wow, this is really beautiful. Like I'm watching, you know, so you think you can dance or something. <laughs> I, I'm I'm watching, you know, these sequences of this routine that was created during World War II and has the pain and the memory of Nazi occupation in this dance. That's why it's so violent. It's why it's so personal to Madame Blanc. And and I, I feel like if if I didn't feel that, then it wouldn't be as successful. I want to talk about that, actually. I want to talk about um, the Nazi undertones and what I, what I got from it, actually, and what it meant to me. And I want to see what, uh, how, you, how you both uh, interpreted it as well. You know, there's a lot of talk in this movie about um, post-World War II shame and guilt that is felt. Um, and that's exemplified through uh, the character uh, Joseph Klemperman, uh, the uh, – this uh, psychologist who's also a man played by a woman, Tilda Swinton, uh, goddess. <laughs> it's it, it actually, to me, it, it's, a, it's a distracting performance, but I understand uh, thematically why um, it was done. But and that's not to say that I think she's bad. I, I just I could never get over the voice. Really? The mannerisms and the movements that she does in this performance are amazing but I, I never for a single second was able to say well, that's a man's voice oh I, I just I couldn't do it um, I never knew that that was her until like two weeks ago you're kidding <gasps> yeah I never I never I, I actually I was like kicking myself I was like and I started like Google imaging it and I was like wait what <laughs> uh, and I'm just thinking of all the images that flashed in my mind I was like Seriously, was that her then? I was. It was very sixth sense for me. I was just like, "Oh, was Bruce Willis in that scene too?" Like it was very. <laughs> I had to like go through everything. <laughs> but uh, th- this character in particular uh, feels a lot of guilt and a lot of shame over what happened to his wife um, during the Nazi occupation, and. There's a fascinating line in the movie. Um, as a psychotherapist, um, he treats Chloe Grace Moretz in the beginning of the film, and she's clearly disturbed by the witches at the coven, and he doesn't know exactly what to make of it. He's a man of science, and he's looking through the journal, trying to piece the clues together and such. And there was one line said to him uh, by another character in the movie that goes something along the lines of, I'm paraphrasing here, Women come to you with the truth and you call them delusions. And in looking at the Ger- the German people post-World War II and the shame and guilt that they felt during this time, especially only a few years removed, um, and, it, and you know, it takes place during the Cold War in this movie here, I started to wonder if the guilt and shame aspect that the uh, Joseph uh, character is feeling and the people of Berlin are feeling, is this because it's the only male character, central male character in the film, is this supposed to be a stand-in, for, you know, to tie into today's time for male guilt and male shame for how men have treated women for centuries and that that's what we should be feeling as well? I think there's an element to that, but I I wonder if how much of that is is from your personal point of view as a straight male in sure. watching a film that is 
uh, almost exclusively female, even with yeah. a male role played by a female, that that you're that you are looking for the element that that can speak to you. I think all of us do that clearly in anything that we watch or anything that we read. We 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 look for ourselves or we look for uh, uh, subtext or ways that we can kind of fit in there. Right. Well, that's why I was curious to know what both of you felt, because I thought that there would be different interpretations there. I, I think there's absolutely an element to, the, to that, uh, that that line, you know, women tell you the truth and you, and you call them delusional, which is, is the, the quote, speaks to the, um, to, like, to, to the witch element, to the history, the multi-century history of uh, how women are treated all the way from, you know, being burned and, and, and drowned uh, for being witches all the way up to uh, the Kavanaugh hearings this year oh God. Uh, of how women are treated when they come forward with the truth. Uh, it's, it's, it's the thing that I think ties this movie to... Uh, multi-generations uh, and multi-decades in an extremely successful way. Mm. Candice, what did you think? Yeah, I definitely agree that it's some, for any anything that you consume, you're bringing along your own experiences with it that is tainting your perspective. And that also happened, I mean, always happens to me and I know many other people, but um, this is no exception. Um, I only got this long history of the persecution of women um, throughout. Um, mm-hmm. I, I thought of very profoundly with the Salem witch trials mm-hmm. through present day yeah. um, and, uh, and, and a retaliation of sorts for, you know, for however you, um, however you feel about it, but this, there, there are elements of just, a fury and retaliation that that women are doing in response to that decades long persecution. Um, and so that, that's, that was really what I grabbed from it, um, that I thought that this film did that um, Dario Gento's didn't. But I also think that these are two very different movies about similar things. Yes. Oh, yeah. They, they, they're like the core plot is taken for this and that's kind of it at that point Mm -hmm, (laughs) like mm -hmm. this is its own beast entirely it's like something crafted from the nightmares of tarkovsky david (laughs) lynch igmar bergman and stanley kubrick and just here you go world (laughs) yeah yeah and i mean and i and i think just to your earlier point i don't know how thoroughly i can speak to it but i do think to your earlier point just about the nazi themes um I think there is a, it probably could have been deeper, but there is, um, it touches on this long time victimization um, and this long sense of violence that we've either glorified or not interrogated properly. Um, but I think that's I, I, I don't see that as, as profoundly as um, the persecution of women and the retaliation there thereafter. Yeah, the retaliation aspect of it. Um, I don't want to get into spoilers, so I'm going to ask that both of you tiptoe around this as much as you can. But 
Act Six. <laughs> I think that's literally what it's going to be known as. Like, I almost think like Act Six of of Suspiria right. is going to become like a punchline joke, um, or something of that nature. Like, it'll be like when we reference uh, something like, um, I don't know, just any sequence in a movie, and it almost becomes like a uh, a noun for something else entirely. It's going to like be like a, <laughs> applicable to other movies and so on and so forth. This, this, oh my God, this whole sequence. Um, I, I don't know what it means. <laughs> I, I think I know what it means, um, but I don't really know. And that's okay because I was so bewitched by it. And this was the scene in the movie that finally made me go, my God, I love this movie. <laughs> and I have so many things about this movie that I don't like, but... My lord, this is what's going to make me give a positive review to this movie. It's almost like the movie cast a spell over me, and I was, like, just so beholden to it, I couldn't break away from it. And this is, like, the sequence in the movie where the cinematography, the color usage, the music, the acting, the makeup and prosthetics. Like, this was cinema to me right here. This was unforgettable. And I think when most people leave the movie theater... Act six is what they're going to probably be thinking of the most. So, I mean, let me let me ask you then uh, about that because yes, this is a movie that has six acts and an epilogue because you know why not? Um, <laughs> but is is this the 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 final act because it is where the majority of the I guess you could say action takes place? Is is that the the reason that you you liked it? What was I, I would just like to hear a little bit more of an expansion of why this was, you know, what sold you. I think because there was a twist in the in in the sixth act. Mm-hmm. Um, Is it a twist? involving I thought it was personally. Okay. I wasn't expecting right. it. Okay. And it recontextualized the rest of the movie for me so that when I actually went back and I watched it a second time, I felt like I was watching an entirely different movie this time around. Okay. Yeah, I um, and again, I at this point of the movie, I was just like, okay, this is has nothing to do with the original. <laughs> like, I don't know what story <laughs> this is at all. So I was just like ready for anything. I was like, what do you what do you have? Like, I, I don't know where we're going with any of this. I just like watching it. Yeah. And uh, that was I keep on we haven't really talked about her, but I keep going back to is it Mia Goth or Maya Goth? I've heard you guys say two different ones. Okay, is is Mia? Mm -hmm. Okay, so um, she, I I love Sarah in this. Um, I think, I I, I call her poor Sarah because I'm just like, she just gets put through the ringer through most of the movie. Um, And I think she is, to me, one of the most interesting people in that scene. There's so much happening. I think everybody's really coming into their true form in that, in Mm -hmm. that, uh, in that, sequence and it's as many things are in this movie really difficult to watch because it's it's doing it in such a violent way that's also very pretty and that's very very Dario Argento because he's (laughs) he's very that that's what I said when a lot of the imagery is retained like that is something that's very Dario Argento to be very pretty and very violent at once isn't that wild that 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 sequence is totally you know uh, so separate from the original, yet it's probably the sequence that's the most like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I totally. think it's 
absolutely brilliant to 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 straddle that. I'm I'm with you, Candace, on Sarah, and I I deeply regret I didn't even uh, mention Mia Goth and Sarah in my review. I just got so kind of wrapped up in other things, and and I really wish that I had because there are so many elements where Sarah is the closest thing that the audience has as a, a cipher. Yeah, uh, because she's figuring things out uh, and 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 finding out what this mystery is and as we are so essentially she is us in a lot of ways and Mm -hmm. and probably doesn't get enough credit for that and mia goth is totally fantastic she's amazing in it yeah yeah i i i i am at a loss for words um (laughs) for 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 just everything that happens in that sequence i really am um like I said before, I I still d- I I wish the movie could have done more with the lore, and helped to explain a little bit more about the three mothers and just given the audience maybe a little bit more um, context, mm-hmm. so that this way because because it is I think maybe intentionally ambiguous, um because I I know some people who walked out of the screening I was at and they were just like. I don't know what was going on. I have no idea what the movie's about, but man, it looked really cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, um, I, I would, <laughs> I'll be contrarian to that then and, and, and say it, it'll be really unfortunate if that is a takeaway from people that, you know, okay, the end was really cool, but I don't really understand. It's just, I, I, I hope people can dig down a little deeper not just into you know themselves, but it's just into history and themes and what the movie is trying to do. Because I think, yeah, you know, as we're talking about it, at least we all seem to have a pretty clear understanding of what what the themes are. Uh, yeah, and it's it, it it will take time if you're trying to get up from this movie immediately after and 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 figure it out. You're going to struggle with it, and that's totally okay. Yeah, this is a movie that demands but, repeat but, viewings. But but work to it, work to it, make make give yourself that uh, that time to to work for it, to understand uh, the the history of female persecution to. Uh, understand the themes of division, to understand Nazi occupation, to understand uh, shame and trauma, because there is so much trauma and post-trauma reaction in this too. It's it's all of those things. So um, if you if you give yourself that time, it becomes a much more rewarding uh, film to talk about. I have to agree with that uh, idea of post-trauma as well because there is a scene between two characters in the epilogue that I have to say, like, I was not expecting at, – at, after Act 6, I, I was like, there's still more? <laughs> and we get this scene that actually is incredibly <laughs> emotional um, between two characters and – I like I got to give Luca a tremendous amount of credit for just stuffing this film with so much to the point where I, I believe this might become like one of our next great video essays of YouTube where <laughs> there will be so many, so many interpretations, so many things that people from the props to the use of color to the sets, people will read into this movie a lot. They they will 
they will go so far as to try and figure out why is Dakota Johnson's hair orange in this movie? Like, <laughs> and people will come up with reasons. And I, I can't wait for the fallout of this movie when more people get a chance to see it and what they will make of it. And that is, once again, like, like I was saying before, I have faults with this movie, but I do believe that those faults are the film's strength in a way that's going to actually help it to have a lasting legacy and endure. I don't know. My worry is that it's going to 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 fall the way that that mother did and and get you know an f cinema score because oh yeah the 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 general public even though this is you know in very limited release right now it is going to expand but i think the general public is going to go into it and can can we preface by saying this is not a horror film Hmm. uh no jump scare (laughs) hold on hold on jump scare horror no it absolutely is a horror film because no it's not but it's not listen listen for people that are listening to this right now if your favorite horror film is the conjuring this is not it (laughs) that's what i'm basically saying like mother is a good comparison okay but but any any horror film even if it's a shitty one still that's that's the superficial thing it's it's subtext that that creates the true horror. It is, but today's cinema going audience doesn't have the patience or exactly, ah, which is what look I was, how they've reacted to such great horror films that we all love over the last couple of years. That's you know, why I, that's why I said what I said earlier. If you if you are willing to to give not the movie but yourself the ability to analyze and look and understand you'll you'll find something really rewarding but i do think that this is going to be like mother and i loved mother i was obsessed with mother and my experience seeing that film uh was really fascinating because the audience i saw it with uh was just a general public audience and they hated it and they were just like angry and they left the theater like like viscerally angry and i was sitting next to two people and they were really confused and but wanted to talk about it. I sat in the theater for 45 minutes deconstructing that movie and then on the way out the theater as well. And now I'm, I'm friends with these people. <laughs> and, and I think this absolutely will require that too. Just I, I hope people give themselves the patience, not just the, the film, but themselves the patience to understand why, even if you hate it, understand why you hate it. Yeah. Yeah, I um, I definitely definitely think it's horror, and I think horror is a lot more layered and uh, has a lot. There's a lot of facets to horror that I don't. I think people just often discredit as actual horror, but I think this for sure falls into it. Um, I think there's enough. If we're if we're talking like super super layman audiences, I think there's enough horrific visual again, retained from Dario Argento, who is very, very strictly horror, um, that um, will people will identify as, for sure, horror elements in a movie that speaks to other things as well, but that doesn't make it any less horror. Um, I think that... Um, losing my thought. I'm sure I had something profound to say there. I'll, I'll just end that <laughs> with that point. Oh, that's what I was gonna say. I was gonna say, mother. I um, that's a very interesting comparison. I I, I mean, obviously the films are very very different, but I do think just in terms of their um, their uh, likability to just a wider audience, um, 
I think anything that has aspects of horror in general, you're going to uh, you're going to um, alienate a certain audience. Um, mm-hmm. Not in t- just because a lot of audience just can't can't uh, can't consume that. Um, and this movie does not shy away from that. Mother doesn't shy away from it. Although I do think Mother is a lot less horrific. I think there's a lot um, of other things going on in, in that movie that is far. Um, it's more psychological, I think, or um, Mother than I think this movie is, which is very, very visual, very like I'm like. I'm going to put you through torture for two and a half hours in the best way possible. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I, I think the baby eating moment in mother was kind of like the, that was like the hands up moment for a lot of people. That like, was nope. the only, yeah, that was the only <laughs> moment that I can think of in, in, in mother that I was just like, Oh, y'all probably didn't, y'all didn't probably like that. Probably not. Like that probably wasn't your thing. <laughs> that was hard. That was hard to watch. There is a sequence in Suspiria early on um, involving uh, one of the premier dancers of the dance troupe. Um, I'm not going to give her name away, but I think we all probably know oh, which scene I'm fine. talking about. Poor Olga. Uh, <laughs> and they're actually um, – so the first screening I saw was with a bunch of New York uh, critics. Candace, I'm not even sure. Maybe we were in the same screening actually. Oh, maybe. And – Nobody walked out, obviously, but when that movie was over, people needed smoke breaks, for sure. (laughs) The second time I saw it in New York uh, with a public audience over this uh, past weekend, there were walkouts after Mm -hmm. that first scene, 20 minutes in. So It's long. It's a long scene. (laughs) Yeah, I I definitely think that it's going to have the same reaction um, that people did have with Mother in that regard. So. To summarize it all up, if you liked Mother, you're probably going to dig this. Um, <laughs> I would say if you didn't yes like Mother, that. I would still say you should check it out anyway. Mm-hmm. At this point, what I want to do is I want to move over now to any lingering final thoughts, anything that we didn't touch upon that you want to bring up right now before we get to our grade out of ten, and then the oof, the Oscar potential uh, for this <laughs> movie. Uh, it almost seems like a dream at this point. But uh, Eric, why don't we start off with you? Uh, any lingering final thoughts? Yeah, I would love actually if if we could expand more on what we felt about the performances because we we were talking about the movie a lot, but but not too specifically about performances. And I think that they are from top to bottom just extraordinary. Um, D- Dakota Johnson is not somebody that I have always liked very much. I think she has an aloofness as an actress that for me is sometimes distancing. Um, so I don't feel like I'm I'm seeing her much or I don't feel like she is embedded in her characters as much. I will say when she works with Luca Guadagnino, that is not the case. Uh, between A Bigger Splash and this, I, I don't think she's ever been better than she is here. I think she has absolute perfect control and knowledge and understanding of Susie. And that's really good because, again, as an audience member, I need to, I need to see that too. I need to figure that out from her. Um, she's not a hero and she's not a villain. She exists in the middle. Um, and... So it's really, really important f- for her to be able to convey that well, and I think she does. Uh, I think Tilda Swinton is beyond 
Uh, I want to like separate each of those letters and make it, you know, a whole word. She is absolutely beyond. And she plays three characters in this, which we haven't really mentioned, not two. Um, and I, I, I know that it's been spoiled elsewhere in some reviews of the third character that she plays. I'm not going to do that. Uh, but her third character is one of the most comically grotesque things I've seen in years. And I mean that entirely <laughs> as, a, as a compliment. Um, I, I don't think there's anyone that has a better understanding of the film than Tilda Swinton in this and exactly yeah. how to play every single moment. Uh, I think her Madame Blanc is the most flawless creature. Um, <laughs> if, 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 if the, if the gays can get it together quick enough, there's going to be Madame Blanc drag <laughs> in Halloween next week. Um, I, I think, I think she's amazing. I, I, I'm, I'm obsessed with her. And we talked a little bit about Mia Goth and I love all the other, uh, women in, in the coven who have their own grotesqueries about them, whether it's, you know, their, their makeup or their hair or their laugh, or they're just, ugh, I, I, I don't think there is a, a misstep. Yeah, I agree with you about the performance aspect, uh, for sure, from everyone involved, especially Tilda Swinton, who, like, this is just such a showcase, I'm not going to say role, roles for her, mm -hmm. um, but my biggest gripe here would be I wish there was more characterization for almost everyone, um, and especially the other women in the coven. Mm -hmm. I, I don't feel like I knew who any of them were outside of uh, Madame uh, Blanc, and I wanted to because you're right. The makeup, the hair, the look that Luca Guanina was going for here made them all very fascinating. And um, my eyes were transfixed on them. I, I just wanted to maybe get a little bit more into who they were exactly. But would that have made for a longer film? <laughs> oh, listen, you know. <sighs> I'm going to corner you, Matt. <laughs> I know, I know. But, it, it, you know, it's it, you can't have your cake and eat it too, there you know? There, there are definitely it could have just been like gestures and stuff. Cause I, cause I, I think that the women of the coven are so, so fascinating as a coven. I don't, I can't really call any of them individually, but I just remember them being as a unit, like super interesting as individuals. I couldn't tell you, but they just all, it was very, it was a very fascinating unit. And, and then again, that we, that we didn't know about, in the or in the original film, I was like, "Oh, this is this is who Susie was was basically beefing with in the in the original." <laughs> but we didn't really they they were kind of faceless. Now they have they obviously have faces and they they have uh, identities. We just didn't really explore them. I I don't think that is too the film's detriment, but I do think it's an interesting point. Um, I I I will continue to sing. Mia Goss praises. I think she is exceptional and I think she might actually be my favorite character and my favorite performance. I will say, you know, I was talking about uh, that uh, that scene towards the end of the film where every character kind of comes into their, their true form. I think this movie for Tilda Swinton is 
her coming like a like a butterfly coming into like what we've already been seeing from her for all these years on screen this is like her true identity like this, <laughs> there is no actual makeup here this is just how she is like, I, I really do that. think that, <laughs> I think that she sleeps in a coffin at night like this is actually like her regular house <laughs> It's the quintessential Tilda Swinton movie. Uh, right, right. This is an autobiography that she's sharing with us. Oh my god! <laughs> so I, I, I think she is, of course, the most seamless because she is just the the most like just she just melts into everything that's going on in this movie. It seems extremely um, real and and just yeah, again seamless. I think Sarah is so. She she is the character, I think Eric, you were mentioning this earlier. She is the character who I if I have to find someone to root for, Sarah was from the beginning the person I rooted for. And I and I to the very end, I was just like, Oh, Sarah girl, what you doing? You're mm-hmm. like you're too curious, you're too asking too many questions, you're getting too involved. And mm-hmm. of course, anyone who's watched a horror movie knows when you get too involved in something, you when you start asking too many questions, it does not fare well for you. And yeah, uh, don't go to the basement and don't go into hidden rooms, girl. Right, right. <laughs> Come on. Right. Don't meet up with anyone. Don't you know it's just do your dance and go home at night. Like that's really it. But she, she did a lot. She's yeah, just so, so interesting in it. And I don't, I mean, I vaguely recall her character in, in the original, but this is so well-defined. So, um, and then just me as just so like visibly tortured in it. Um, that was truly, truly effective. And she really was carrying a lot of the themes of the movie. Yes, um, yes. I, I think, um, so like you, Eric, I was not um, a, a huge fan of Dakota Johnson. Um, she, she's just fine. Um, previously, like I've seen her in other things. I was like, okay, she's fine. Like she's very mm-hmm. serviceable. And that that's, fine for for reasons Uh, but but here i think this is her best performance to date oh yeah i do also wonder what another actress would have brought to that role um that would have illuminated some of what Susie embodies and transforms into later in the movie i do wonder that and a more yeah. seasoned actress and I'm, you know, an actress who's done a lot more indie art house films. Yeah. I, I, I do love though that, you know, between Tilda Swinton and Dakota Johnson, when it's very clear that when they're working with, you know, a director that they have implicit trust mm-hmm. that they're, they allow themselves a, uh, a vulnerability and a facet to their performances that, that they don't unlock for other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, I mean, you see that with, you know, director, actor relationships all over the place. Yeah. Uh, and I think this is a, a great example. I think it's insane that, that Luca makes a movie without Tilda Swinton period. And she was, <laughs> she was actually in one of the cuts of call me by your name as a narrator. So that, I mean, that's how much he's, you yeah. know, really with her. All right. So we come now to the final moment. <laughs> <laughs> Candace, hmm? great out of ten. Oh, um, I'm gonna go with ten. Oh, <gasps> oh my! 
All righty. <laughs> Eric? Oh my God, this is like a dance competition show <laughs> now. Oh, my God. Uh, no, it's a, it's, it's a 10 from me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Even, even with the minor nitpicks that I would have about it, uh, they are so minute in comparison to how successful uh, I think every other component in this is. I, I, I think, I just think it's an extraordinary film. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm a little bit more muted, but I, I like it. And, uh, you know, when I first saw it, I didn't know what to grade it. I didn't know if it was a five. I didn't know if it was a 10. I didn't know if it was a nine. I, I had no idea. And I went on Letterboxd, and I think I changed my rating for it at least four or five times. <laughs> um, but I finally settled on an eight out of 10. It's one of the best movies of the year for me, but I can't in good consciousness put it in my like top 10 of the year or give it the perfect 10 out of 10 just because I do have nitpicks with it. I can't. I can't escape that. I can't escape the length of the film. I can't escape um, the casting of Tilda Swinton in that role as uh, mm-hmm. Joseph Klemperman because it, it it is a little distracting for me at times, even as amazing as I think she is and she gives it her all. And like we said, it's like a just a quintessential showcase movie for her. I love that about it. I actually have a lot to say about that, but I think maybe offline. <laughs> That's fine. That's fair. Uh, but, you know, just going back to... Um, I have I, I do have some things about the film that don't overall work for me. And, you know, I, I, I'm very, very content with an 8 out of 10. And after seeing it a second time, I love it even more. So I would almost feel tempted now to want to put in my top 10 this year. Mm-hmm. I, I think this is the kind of movie that's going to grow on me more and more and recontextualize itself um, through the years, especially as more takes, opinions, and interpretations come out about it. And I think that's what's going to ultimately help it to stick with me over time. What I want to do now to close out uh, this review, <sighs> Eric, I'll actually ask you first. This is okay. your uh, neck of the woods. Sure. Ooh, Oscar potential. I mean, we, we, we can... We can broad stroke it or we can get nitty and gritty, but my feeling is nitty and gritty, this ain't getting a single Oscar nomination, as worthy as it might be in some cases. Uh... I, I think it can be a contender if it is if it makes like shortlist if it can make the makeup shortlist uh, I think it can be a contender um, I agree and one of the reasons for that is that unlike other nominations and other elements uh, they only need to watch the makeup reel uh, to be able to nominate it. Uh, you can, you know, listen to pieces of of the score and of the original song uh, from Tom York, and we didn't even get into like Tom York's amazing score. I, I was going to save it for this segment, actually, amazing. when we talked about the Oscar potential. Yeah, <laughs> it's incredible. There, I think there are potentials in the way that the branches are allowed to nominate and how they do and how they do it. Um, I, which is why I think you know the song has potential. I think makeup has potential. Suspirium, right, for the song? Yes. Yeah, um, I agree. Outside of that, I, I think Tilda Swinton would be the the closest long shot uh, for I above wish. the line. But it's you know, y- you're talking about like we have said through this whole podcast, a two and a half hour film um, that will test patience and uh, minds, um, 
and I, I think it might be, you know, a bridge too far for for the academy. We have a, a much more expanded academy than before, more international members that will appreciate this, I think, more. Uh, younger members that might appreciate it more. Um, all, you know, just a wider uh, look at things. And that could very much benefit uh, Swinton in this. But I'm still, at this point, if I look at my... Uh, predictions in that category I think yeah I only have her in my next up which is after the top 10 yeah and I think it would be a struggle for her to get in a a major struggle so I would look at makeup and song as potentials just based on how they the those committees vote I was just thinking I was like oh my gosh I'm probably the worst person to ask about the Oscars because I have so much I interrogate the Oscars on a regular basis um (laughs) I I, I think just in general, they have a huge prejudice against um, anything genre. And I think this will get shut out completely. If they do, yeah. it'll just be um, something technical that really oh, diminishes yeah. its worth. I mean, not to say that it diminishes the technical work because that that is very, very good. But to discredit these performances, and I'm thinking again, Mia Goth and Tilda Swinton, that's just old school academy that's just what they do and that yeah. that's this is a huge that's just something that they uh they covet they 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 um just don't ever do that it is not because of anything wrong with the actual performances that's something wrong with inherently with the academy um and so i So if I was if I was thinking that some if I was selecting something that I thought was actually Oscar worthy or Oscar nomination worthy, at least it would be Mia Goth, it'd be Tilda Swinton, it'd be the cinematography um, mm, and yes. the direction. Um, but you know, I'm not part of the academy. It, it would be everything <laughs> for me if I had my way. I mean, I would too say Luca. The editing, as much as like I even have some qualms with the editing, I think the editing itself is so fascinating. The sound, mm. cinematography. You know, but if I'm going to be realistic here, and even this is a stretch in my opinion, um, I would say score, mm. song for Suspirium, makeup, and Eric, I don't know how you feel about this, but outside, very, very, very far outside shot at costume design? Mm. Yeah. I, I mean, I would love it for sure. Um, it's, I, I, I think it's, it's in this year would be extremely difficult. And I think one of the reasons why this era 70s and 80s always struggles here is because it's it's not far enough outside of our own time period to 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 kind of stand out and the costumes by the women in this are extremely 1977 but the palette is so muted with these like low key burgundies low key mustards browns beiges it's it's not going to have that much of an impact. You've got Tilda Swinton's costumes are great, and then you have the the final dance uh, costumes, and I just I don't think it's enough. All right. Well, uh, with that said, before we go, does anyone else have anything else they want to just add before we go? Uh, no. Uh, I just hope people give it a chance. I hope, and like I said, I'll just keep repeating it. Give give yourself the chance to think about this. And why you like it, why you don't like it. Just give yourself time to digest it a bit. 
I think that's the perfect spot to end it on. Candice, thank you so much for joining us for this. Uh, tell our dear listeners where they can find you on the internet. Thank you so much. This is really, really fun. Um, I am probably most um, most easily found on Twitter. Um, my my um, profile name is Real Talker. That's R-E-E-L-T-A-L-K-E-R. And Eric? Uh, yeah, thank you. I don't usually do like podcast reviews. It's This is new for me. I'm, I'm so happy to have been able to do it because you, you can write something down and, and it doesn't have the same impact as when you can just talk about it with somebody. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really kind of cool. And as well as being able to hear other points of view and go, oh my God, okay, that is an avenue that I didn't go down and maybe that's where I need to go. I, I love it. It's my, it's, it's the best thing about having film conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find me at awardswatch.com and awardswatch for Facebook and Instagram. And then Twitter is awards underscore watch. Thank you to the both of you. You can find me online at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to our review of Suspiria here on the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, also on Acast, CastBox, and newly on Spotify. Please be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your support. And if you want to take that a step further, head on over to our Patreon, where for $1 minimum a month, you can get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, and we shall see you all next time. I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. Alright, you think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? Right. I've never done it. (laughs) Right.